0: Hey guys, TJ Schwartz here. We're back on Edge & Flow podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Lucas Burnley. Today, we're excited to bring to you some miscellaneous content. We've got a lot going on. It seems like summer gets crazy and, I don't know, just uh, run the business and with the family. It seems like there's a lot going on. So We're diving into some really like actionable, good information regarding shop stuff, but also just uh, some of the things we're exploring in our life on the personal side and <laughs> things that are keeping us busy.
1: Yeah, we need to vent, I think. <laughs> it's been it's been a hectic like what month month and a half yeah yeah no doubt yeah a little bit i'm sure there's a lot of people that are in the same boat right now what mm. uh we kind of stacked a bunch of activities mm-hmm. what what activity should we go chronologically okay all right
0: i what guess what activity
1: I, should we start with
0: um well i ordered a cnc machine like six months ago and it was headed to my house i mean it, it, it was in houston and they're like hey we're ready to ship it and I started, I had a week long backpacking trip planned and I, they told me the dates they were going to ship it, and I was like, it's going to arrive while I'm not home for a whole <laughs> week. So I had, a, well, it might've been like the day before and I was like, it's just not worth the risk. I could just picture my wife like cussing me while I'm gone and she's like backing a truck up in our driveway <laughs> or something. So I had to delay it. I had to tell them to hold it at their facility for like another week. Um, but it arrived, but I guess there's the trip and then you, you went to uh, a cool knife show what was it? The Oregon Knife Show.
1: Oh yeah. So this is this is this was really fun. This is out of chronological order. Also, just just as a pro hack, if you're ever waiting on a piece of machinery, just go ahead and schedule a trip. Yeah. It will assure that you yeah. shorten your timeline.
0: It'll accelerate the landing. Yeah. It'll just accelerate it. Yeah. You know, but you have to pay, you have to
1: actually pay for the trip or like make meaningful plans for it to show up the same (laughs) weekend. That's right. Um, okay. So Portland show, um, this was, this was really, really cool. Uh, it was a one night show in Portland at Zydell yards. I think I'm saying that right. And it was put on by Billy Cho, um and Nick Rolf who Billy Cho is a maker Nick Rolf is a collector um and super talented musician um and they just i think they just wanted to do a really almost like a stripped down like maker centric collector like evening right mm-hmm. um it was super cool like they you know invitational only didn't charge makers for tables um had a food truck out front like very low key 4 hours but what was interesting was the amount of support it received from collectors man it was awesome um, there was a there was a great roster of makers for sure but like i was just amazed i mean people came from all over the country for a one night show Jeez. it was super cool
0: and it it sounds super personal i did not go to the show and i just saw pictures and have heard what you what you thought about yeah, it
1: yeah well and that's Incidentally, like, uh, this was Maddie and I's first show together without kids since 2017 and the first show Maddie's been to since 2018. So this was, it was really fun and you kind of nailed it with like the, like the personal scale at, in a four hour show, you have time and like the bandwidth and energy to like kind of connect with the people you want to connect with. Um, mm-hmm. part of it's just that it's a smaller show in general. Like if you go to Blade, if Blade was four hours, it would be like a madhouse. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't yeah. work. But at a show of this size, you know, where there's maybe 40 makers and I didn't hear a final number on collectors. Um, but you you're actually able to have a conversation. You're able to spend time at the table. Odds for the collectors were really good. Um and like, man, yeah, the maker roster, like. They pulled they pulled some really good names. Um it was it was very cool to see. So I'm excited to see where the show goes. It's nice to have something local. Um and again, like the the idea of the one, the one evening or one day show, I think for a lot of us, it just works. Um so yeah, yeah. that was super, super cool. No, I'm glad I, I did I'd it. I'd
0: love to see more stuff like that go on and Same. participate more. And yeah, that's a that's a cool model.
1: Yeah. So so yeah, there's the show. Yeah. So backpacking trip.
0: Yeah, so my brother in law, he was having a birthday, and he it was coming up, and he I don't know if he intended it for it to be his birthday celebration. He says it wasn't, but it it did happen to happen over his birthday weekend. But he he invited. It's it was the three brother in laws. So it's me and then the husband of my well, my wife's brother and then the other brother-in-law. But they, so the three of us went on a backpacking trip in central Idaho in a place called the Frank Church. So the Frank Church is like the largest, it is the largest wilderness area in the United States in the oh, lower wow. 48. And wilderness area is, that term's thrown around, but it is a legal definition of a of a type of land. So there's like national forest and then there's wilderness. And wilderness has its own classification. And the main thing about a wilderness area is that they, they say in the law, like, no mechanical portage of any kind. So that includes bicycles. Oh, wow. So if it has a wheel, if it is a, a mechanism that transports your body, it's illegal. And so that includes airplanes, that includes hang gliders, that includes bicycles. So it's a horse or your feet.
1: Could you go through the horse-drawn carriage?
0: I don't no. think so. you don't think shut so. down, like, wagon? No. But it's you would never be able to have a wagon. I mean, it's true. It's so steep. Uh, But but the the cool thing about it is, it's like it. I said it's the biggest in the in the lower forty eight, and it's like the combined wilderness area, it and like its neighboring wilderness areas, is like twelve percent of the state of Idaho. And so it almost goes from the Montana border to the Washington border. So it stretches basically the whole width of Idaho, Um, and so like one hundred and fifty miles wide by at least that tall. And so we, we backpack into it and it's to get really in there. We, we had to, we picked this lake that was uh one that my wife's grandpa had been to. And that's why my brother-in-law wanted to go to it. And so we nice, did a 45 nice mile loop and it was five days, I think about five days. And the the hard part about it was the elevation gain. It was like the gross, we used like a GPS map software to tell us mm-hmm. like total gross incline or like elevation gain. And it was almost or right at fourteen thousand feet of gain which the tallest mountain in the u.s is mount whitney which is in california and so that would be the equivalent of going from sea, from the ocean from sea level to the summit of the tallest mountain in the country and so it was spread out over five days but it was like that was the total gross gain so it was just yeah, that's still a hustle a butt burner man it was like just just killer but <laughs> we pulled it off and it was did you, a, a great did you time.
1: see any did you see any wildlife?
0: saw a bear, uh, saw a sign for days. I mean, every kind of sign of any, any kind of animal. And the, uh, it's a big, bighorn sheep country. So we saw a bighorn sheep. We caught fish. There was a swimming hole. We got to, there's a river, there's several rivers that run through the Frank and we were on one of them and uh, for part of it. And we were swimming in this hole and there was these sheep. They were all female. They called ewes. bighorn sheep. I don't like where this and is going. They're drinking out of the <laughs> swimming hole <laughs> and we're swimming in the swimming hole And they're just like sw- Drinking out of the same hole And they didn't leave And so we're just swimming And they're drinking right there cause
1: there's, Yeah there's nobody around There's like no fear Yeah
0: And, we, and like... we get out And we start fishing We start catching fish Out of the same swimming hole So we're swimming next to sheep Mice. And catching fish out of the same hole And it's just like Whatever You and guys doing just...
1: catch and release Or was that dinner
0: Oh no we, we ate them all oh, yeah. That's awesome Man yeah, it, was a, it was a good time
1: Yeah that sounds like Much needed probably yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it was truly unplugged. I mean, it was like, I didn't know even the slightest clue what day it was. There was one time I, I missed a whole day in my head, and we, I was like, aren't we going out day after tomorrow? And they're like, no, it's the day after the day after tomorrow. That is amazing. It, it was nice. I get back, and I'm Five like, it days could be unplugged Monday real. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's like, man, okay.
0: Yeah. No, it, was, it need, was perfect. I need one of those. Yeah, some fresh air, man. It's the freshest of air. And we beat wildfire season by a weekend. Cause that's yeah. the one thing about those areas is they'll, they'll get just smoked in when have the you guys fires started start. having
1: fires. Yeah. Starting and to see it? Yeah.
0: in the Frank, when the fires start, they don't put them out right. because it's a wilderness area. So they've never controlled those fires. So if one starts in there, which they always do at least one, it just goes. It you just get smoke and it's fine. I mean, it is what it is, but the Vistas and the views when you don't have the smoke, if you can beat that, are amazing.
1: It's wild. If you're not, if you're not from the West or haven't spent a lot of time out here, it's easy to (laughs) kind of, kind of miss how much land actually exists and like the Mm -hmm. spaces between towns, especially like living on the East coast for a little while. Like you just get into these voids. Mm -hmm. It's crazy idea that you have enough land that like the fire starts and they just let it burn. Yeah. But like, There's nothing there. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we stayed in a a lookout. There was a lookout that was built, it was almost a 9,000 foot peak, and a fire lookout. There's fire lookouts all over the Frank Church, some of them abandoned. And it's, you know, especially in the olden days where they literally had to post up and have their binoculars and try to spot them. But this old fire lookout was built in the early 30s and abandoned in the 60s. So it's been abandoned for 60 years and it's still standing still square it's like logs and just a vintage cabin on the very tippy top of like the highest peak and uh and we were sleeping in it we stayed a night in there and it's just there's not even doors or windows it's just a little shack and i remember the logs the the stuff they cram in the cracks of the logs like moss i mean literally Mm -hmm. like moss and grass to keep the airflow out that it all decayed so you could lay in a sleeping bag and look out the crack and you (laughs) could i was laying on one side and my brother-in-law's laying on the other side and I could see Montana laying on my pillow looking <laughs> through the crack and he was looking the other way and he was looking at a mountain range in Washington and we're just oh, like in crazy. this little shack and it felt like you were in an airplane because there was you couldn't see the ground out the right. window it was just like straight out I mean it was crazy oh wow
1: nice man so,
0: it was a good time
1: so let me ask you this your full disconnect were you were you like worried about work did you leave work like on the bench?
0: Um, the machine I knew was coming, but I did delay it. So that, that like kind of patched that up. Um, honestly, no, I didn't really think about work. Honestly, I I, nice. I tend to That's do, perfect. okay, if I get out in a place like that, I can totally unplug. L- luckily, it's it's not terrible. And um, I brought a couple of knives because I was going to do more photography. I brought a good camera and I didn't do as much like product photography as I thought I was going to because once I went reach like full unplug. I would think about like photographing it. And then I started thinking about Instagram and I, it just kind of like, it, it
1: like shuts you down. You don't yeah, want to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm, I exactly. do the same thing.
0: So right. I was bummed. I didn't get as many pictures of the knife as I wanted, but I, at the end of the thing, I was like, yeah, it is what it is. It wasn't a work trip.
1: Yeah. Perfect.
0: But the IRS nice, to the IRS, it was a work trip. Yeah. Hopefully they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> some photography, some yeah. product testing. Yeah. yeah. Um, spe- Okay. So speaking of work trips, I've got, if we go all the way back into like kind of where you and I both started getting busy. Um, I went down to Ashland, Oregon, um, which incidentally is a rad town. I had never been there before. Um, super, super cool little town. Um, but I went to check out workshop. Um, and I'm sure like a lot of you guys are familiar with workshop, but, my first introduction to them was actually through another product, which was the Derek's drill doctor. Mm. Um, which was like, I think probably 20 years ago, a machinist friend of mine had one of these things and like, it allows you to sharpen drill bits. Mm. So that was like the parent company workshop split off and man, it was, it was just super cool. Like going down, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I've, I've spent some time with Matthew, who's the CEO a few times over the years, like on business trips, like going to Germany or just seeing, you know, kind of seeing him around and realized they're three hours away and it was worth like a neighbor visit. Mm-hmm. So the biggest takeaway for me, I was like, you never know what, what a business actually does in my head. I was like, oh, they probably are like warehousing and then they ship product and full engineering department. They had a full machine shop. They do assembly there. They do packaging there. They do all the product design in house. Um, and just like walking around and you just like, they're so, they're almost like, like, like a Switzerland of a, of a company. Cause I feel like they work really well with all of these other brands Mm -hmm. and they're, they're like good company, good to their employees. Make like good product at like really good prices, and it's just neat to see that and be able to kind of like go around and like yeah. you know meet meet the people of the company and
0: they, it was super fun from the outside looking in. They seem like a an A list like an A one company just yeah. r- as a holistically just as yeah. a well put together, well managed, just clean, tidy looking company.
1: Hundred percent. Everything yeah. is thought out well. Um, Again, I think like company culture when you're in there, like seems really good. Like, you know, like they have like a, like a really nice kind of cafeteria, like coffee house almost. And there's like, you know, fresh fruit out on the tables and just like, you can see that like the employees, they probably take pretty good care of them. There's like, you know, outdoor like seating areas and stuff where you can like go have lunch. It's just, it was, it was very cool. Um, Mm. I also got to shoot some content with them. So like, I basically, I spent like, um, I spent two days down there. And we just, we just had fun, you know, I was like, Hey, if I come down, like, can we, can we shoot some video? They've been doing all of this content around sharpening, um, and like these really cool, um, like scavenger hunts where they like geotag and they'll like leave, leave like packages around and stuff. Um, and I, I love seeing companies engage and kind of become community resources and like hubs for information. So I had to throw a wrench in that and we just I feel like I feel like we mostly just had some silly time making videos and that's awesome now teaching me how to sharpen knives. (laughs) Right. There you go. Yeah. Well it's it's different. That's the thing. Like they have a pretty robust product line. And when I'm looking at I'm like, okay, if a customer asks, like, hey, what do you recommend? I hadn't you, I'd only used one of them. And so I just wanted to see, I wanted to see those being used on like my knives or something similar just so that I would have like kind of a, a clear understanding of their capabilities and like weaknesses. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, the knives that leave my shop, like I sharpen on my machines, I'm not doing a lot of like manual hand sharpening once they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, Hey, just teach, like teach me like I'm a, I'm five.
0: Yeah. No, I, I get anxiety because I, I have very stringent systems. You know, I'm like a process yeah. guy. So I'll like my Overland's and my custom knives that I make, like I have this very rigid way of doing it that I plan out like exactly the bevel angle and all this stuff. And I always have people come up to me like, Will you sharpen all my knives. And they bring me like six knives, all different blade shapes. And it gives me and so thicknesses much anxiety
1: and like, yeah.
0: I'm like, what angle is that? And like who sharpened it last? How did they sharpen it? And it, it, that's where you get into, you know, their discipline of like, right. How do you make something universal? You know what I mean? How do you make something that everyone can use that'll work on every knife? Right. And that seems, that sounds like a lot harder task than what I'm doing. Just well, and that's what, knives.
1: that's, what, yeah, I, I completely agree. Right. And there is, like maybe I'm kind of like a cretin in this regard, but like for me, there's a point of sharpness where then a knife does its job. Mm -hmm. Um, Past that becomes like almost specialization. Super interesting. Definitely has its place. Mm -hmm. But like for me and my knives, a lot of times I'm like, okay, that's going to cut whatever I need it to cut. Um, So it was fun. We did like a test where like one of us used a powered system. One of us used uh, one of their like field sharpeners. Mm-hmm. And then I used, I think it's called the precision plus, which has like some angle adjustment and guides and we all sharpened a knife and then did some like something like the internetty, like knife edge mm-hmm. tests that were yeah. fun, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's just interesting seeing like, you know, Oh, you have a recurve. Like I've always sharpened recurves on a flat stone doesn't matter, but, but it was cool to see it in process where you're like, Oh, what would you do? And they spent so much time with this stuff. Like they actually, they have an opinion on it or, or grit progression, stuff like that. So yeah, it was really fun. It was a good way to like nerd out for a weekend, visit friends. Um, man, that's like that's like the best. And and really mm-hmm. I went down with like no no expectations, like no real agenda. It was yeah. just a social call. Yeah,
0: well, and, um, and, they humored and I've, me. I think I've said it before on this podcast, but a philosophy I always use is people before product, which means I've always found that people that are excited about what they're doing that are doing good things and that I like and that I imagine myself being around and being friends with, yep. if I surround myself with them in the industry, the products will speak for themselves that like precipitate from that. And the deals that happen will will be the best sort of deals right. if it's if it's people before product. And, and they're so if or, you,
1: they're organic.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean,
1: you and I talk about the collaborative process and working with companies a lot. And I think we both have that in common which is we've always the relationship to the company has been more important than like just the financial um opportunity especially Mm -hmm. at the outset and and i think for both of us we found in the long run like they actually work you know symbiotically
0: yeah Yeah, well and and you you don't want to be the guy that like keeps to themselves until they need something and then every conversation with a new person is always a business inquiry You know, it's like the inquiries should be intermixed with like just having fun. You know, it should that it shouldn't start with that. Um, Not that it can. Maybe
1: maybe that like ties in just to kind of our businesses in general, which so much of it is like, yeah, but we don't want it to suck. Like, I don't I don't want every relationship to have to be like a hustle or like a, you know, quid pro quo type of of exchange. Transactional. I want people that I enjoy spending time with that I'm able to do interesting work with. Yeah. That's a exactly. gift.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We, the ability to choose. That's, that's a nice thing that you that's know, a can
1: huge one.
0: It's a work like, with
1: who you want to.
0: It reminds me of like in high school, there's all the clicks. And then yeah. as soon as you leave high school to a degree, you can start to be like, you know what? I never liked him anyway. I'm yeah. just doing, I'm doing my own thing. Like I'm going to, these are the people I do like, I'm going to hang right. with them. And it's like, when you're doing what we're doing, the knife industry in general, it's like, just kind of move with the flow of who, who's, who, who are your good friends, who, you know, is working hard, who has the drive, like who just fulfills what you're looking for in your circle, right. you know, and then it just feeds itself. Uh, so I, 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 I remind myself of that philosophy, but to me, it's just, it's, it's kind of natural. Like you don't have yeah. to, you don't have to plan these friendships. They just come totally. along.
1: Well, that, I mean, so. that's like the idea of networking in general where you're like, you know, we talked about that with Blade Show. You know, Blade Show's networking. It's not mm-hmm. a networking event, it's just a, a place where you can spend time with all of the people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Some of those yeah. end up being like good connections. Yeah. Some totally. of those just end up being too much beer. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. but that's could the fun go, of it. It's like go many ways. You <laughs> go many ways. <laughs> right. All right. So that is that's a couple big ones. That's backpacking trip, work sharp, um, machine came. Oh. I know, I I think I know where we're at. You and I spoke a few days ago and we were we're both trying to solve the same problem. Yep. And we're going about it in slightly different directions. Yeah. In different ways.
0: Before we dive into that, do we want to talk machines?
1: Oh, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. Are we talking like like your machine? You want to talk about it?
0: Well, I mean, that would be cool. But I I was just thinking (laughs) because that was the tail end of a, we had like a long kind of enduring conversation about machines before I ended up buying this one, even before I bought the tour And so we've we got, did. we've, we've got kind of a history of talking machines. So I was thinking maybe we could dive into some of that.
1: Okay. Let me, let me kick this one off then because I okay. think I remember the tour conversation. I think I had made like a pretty strong, I was like, I want you to get a machine. Mm-hmm. And we like looking at the options, like the tour really was like, value proposition it allowed you to get rolling and get working and test if you even wanted to own a CNC right cuz mm-hmm. that was kind of where it started yeah yeah what was when we were first talking about it like what was your alternative if you didn't get get a CNC cuz it seems like crazy now so
0: where I was standing looking forward was I, the dream was always to have a CNC like that was always a part of my plan and having owning a house and having a real shop that I was able to invest in was kind of a prere- prerequisite. It's not a hundred percent necessary. You can le- rent a shop, but for me, that was step one was to get the house. I had the house renovated the house. Then it was time. I was like the natural progression is now I can do, do the thing. I can buy the machine, but I was looking at it and I my business had been doing well for a number of years and, and, increasingly well and without a cnc i felt like i was doing a lot of the things that i did want to be doing and i wondered i thought you know with the cnc endeavor like am i going to be backtracking on what i've just been building where i was more of like a designer and like a cad guy and and my only fear was i like to some degree the philosophy of finding out what you're good at and like tripling down on that thing Mm -hmm. and cad was kind of that thing for me and so the cnc world was still alien to me and i was worried about like if i start anew on that journey which i i in my heart of hearts wanted to do i was worried if it's like is it going to just be a distraction is it going to like water down the whole thing that i built because i'm 10 years in at that point you know what i mean um and so what i did find though when i did buy one was and with your nudging you know decided to finally do it when it finally arrived what i realized is like what i was doing in the cad environment and everything i was doing it was like it was just annexed to that and it they're w- so it didn't, hand in hand that it was wasn't really a diversion no yeah. it's
1: no to, to you already had like 90 percent of the skill set plus your process oriented so it's like for you fixturing things like that are actually super intuitive mm. which is crazy and I hate you but um <laughs> but yeah it, it's just a it's an it's like a natural extension right when when did the first when did the Tormach come are you it's a full been year 18 months 18 months okay
0: yeah all
1: right so now yeah. second machine
0: so the yeah the first machine Tormach I got a, a smoking deal because it was long story short repossessed and I bought it from Tormach's financing department or their their the the company they work with for financing had just repossessed it. So I got a crazy hot deal and it's, it was single phase and it was small and I have a small shop and my shop was non-existent at the time. Like it was just, we just had all our crap like bikes and kayaks stored in there. So I kind of went small, light, what I could fit without too much power stuff, got it in there, started running it like a freaking working it like a horse. You know what I mean? Just like using it every day, all day and realizing like, okay, I'm actually using this thing more than I thought I would. And it's doing a, a nice job, but the the new machine is a whole new tier up in terms of weight, power, size, all these things. And so it's a it's called a Sile S Y I L, and it's a uh, the Sile X7 specifically. But it's three phase power, so I had to buy a three phase converter. Uh, I'm keeping the Tormach; they're both going to squeeze in there somehow. And it's uh, it's just a whole different plane of just machine engineering. I mean, when it's it's sitting under my carport right now and I uncovered it. I haven't moved it in yet. And I was just walking around it and looking at it. And I know it's a small machine by industrial standards, but it is an industrial machine, whereas the Tormach is not. The Tormach is is the highest end of hobby grade. Right. Whereas Sile is like the lower end of true industrial. Right. And that division- Industrial that like, and precision. Yeah, the gap between yeah. them in terms of like the just- the mass like you look at the just gauge of the material in different places and stuff it's like it's just a different planet man it's not even the same well and that's
1: okay so there's there's a few things that come to mind here which is okay one we got to dive into why you want two spindles because i think Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people there's different thought processes around cnc so like when i got mine kind of the prevailing knowledge around machines was like you buy the biggest machine that you can fit Mm -hmm. and at this point i actually realized that that is not always the best advice if you're making a specific part. So -hmm. like if you have a part envelope, yeah, it's nice to be able to G job and like make something larger every once in a while in the probably 12 years I've had my machine. I don't think I've ever done that. I just make Mm -hmm. knife parts and psy pops and you know, other stuff. Okay. So size of the machine makes perfect sense. Switching to two spindles. Why do you need two spindles?
0: So I found out real quick that, because of my skill set leading into this, I was going to start leaning ridiculously heavily on CNC automation for a lot of components of my custom. So I'm machining the you know perimeter just like anybody would on, my, on the whole tang of the knife, the chamfers, the engraving, which is typical. But then what I'm doing is also the bevel. So I'm machining the bevels, fully 3D machining the handles. And what I found was way better for my systems was to also machine the Kydex. So it's thermoformed, but then holes are drilled, perimeters machined. The, the actual technical part of the sheath is done on the CNC. And what I found was not only spindle time, because in my head on, on paper, like this amount of spindle time was enough with one to do what hit my goals. But what I discovered was the scheduling involved when you have a dozen steps on the CNC that have to happen for one knife to exist. And then you have like, okay. I am a little bit behind on sheath production. I got to pivot. I got to do some of those. And pretty soon you're doing a lot of setup and tear down and a lot of like switching things around. And then suddenly your actual spindle uptime is less than you thought. And then I realized like one spindle is not going to be enough. And so two spindles, the benefit is I'm going to have a wet machine, which is going to be the new machine, which wet meaning use coolant on steel. So it'll be running coolant, have filtration for the coolant and all that. But I do my Kydex and G10 dry at least for now and having a wet machine and a dry machine that are independent and that can run in parallel, it's not only more spindle availability, but it's easier scheduling. Like I said,
1: right. And you're able, you're able to shorten runtime, not necessarily make more, but, but time your parts correctly Mm -hmm. to where the, you know, the blades like blades have to go out to heat treat. So you're like, you're doing those, you're doing handles, blades go out to heat treat. You're able to like blast and tumble handle skills. So there's an efficiency there that is, is pretty hard to get with a single spindle. So like if you look at the way that I work, if I'm making folders, like I'll usually make like five or 10 parts sets and then my machine is idle. Mm-hmm. Um, you are more efficient and you're going into that into more of like a production flow mindset. <clears throat> that spindle time becomes super important
0: yeah and in addition to that the other thing is i found it pretty difficult when i get into like sharpening and assembly and shipping which is a huge part like a surprisingly big part because you think of like sharpening assembly shipping like that's easy easy quote unquote like it's it's not a lot of like brain processing going on but the amount of time it actually takes is pretty significant and i I have a really hard time actually keeping the CNC going while I'm doing that. Yeah, a little bit more difficult than I thought because if I'm doing am shipping like 50 knives, and I'm trying to box them, like I gotta have clean hands. I gotta be in a sterile place. Going back in the shop and flipping parts, changing tools, like it's a hard you know hop, skip, and a jump going back and forth and your brain is not really wired. Mine isn't to go back and forth between those two operations. And so the idea is is wired
1: for it. Some people like you can do it. It is not the most efficient thing.
0: Exactly. And I found that if I have two spindles, my theory, this is what I'll find out is if I can double my machine capacity, then maybe they will work two weeks out of the month and be idle two weeks, but those two weeks will be double the output. So in other words, I can set up more work for me to then sharpen and package and ship in less time and not feel the need to like keep the machine running while I'm not next to it. And so it, it's not that they're both going to run four weeks out of the month all the time. It's that it'll be a denser CNC day or week if I'm doing that thing.
1: Right. Well, and this, this idea I think would be like almost like heretical to, to machine shops. We're not job shops, right? Mm -hmm for us running our spindles, you know, a hundred percent of the time or like running lights out. I don't think it's necessary. And I also don't think for us, it is beneficial because that is, that consumes all of the time. So like, even if you look at it from, you have two machines now, those machines are going to need to be maintained. They're going to need to have coolant topped up, chips removed. You're like me and you want things to be like nice and clean actually being able to shut your machines down for a week or two weeks and keep them running in tip-top condition and like in a small space, keeping them clean, super valuable. If you're running just nonstop, two things happen, right? Which is that is your entire workload, but like, and the maintenance slides, right? Mm -hmm. You also, I think with creative work, I think it's really good to almost stagger the productive work with like the, the creative um, I'm looking for like a more elegant way to say it, but essentially like your creative flow. Mm-hmm. Right. It makes sense in, a, in probably like, or, or let me, let me back up in small shops that do semi like semi production techniques. This is why to me they still, this is still like the handcraft side. A lot of it is that thought process, which is, giving yourself space to work creatively instead of forcing to business to have to be productive all of the time. So that kind of brings me to the last question I have about the machine, which is kind of leads its way into the airline thought too. Um, you went with Sile. As mm-hmm. we were looking at machines, I was making the argument for Haas. Mm-hmm. Sile is a known quantity but, but less so in the United States than Haas is. Absolutely. Why did you ultimately decide to go with Sile?
0: So I guess I'll expand it to add Tormach into the conversation. Uh, I went with Tormach initially, uh, for reasons that everyone does during a garage shop. I think it was probably the right move, but I can see why you may or may not want to do that. I, I think I'd be on the fence about whether that's a good idea to go Tormach again.
1: Would you still start there?
0: uh yeah i I think it's a great starting machine so
1: you don't know that you would add another tormach spindle yeah exactly but you would still start there initially
0: yeah exactly exactly um but with the sile so the sile versus haas conversation because i'm going to say again like the tormach is in its own league it's it's a hobby machine it can do um, it can punch above its weight class but it it has its own weight class the sile they're in the territory of Haas in every way i mean cuz they build machines that are as big as a vf3 right. they build you know machines that like the one i have is basically comparable to a like a mini mill like a super mini mill is essentially right. what i bought but it's a missile version of that
1: right. and, and and this should be said like comparable in every way except for price
0: exactly exactly so but what i looked at is so with i can't i have to fit i think i would probably have been interested in something like a vf2 if i had the space i have in sure. no under absolutely impossibility just garage door heights too low not enough space especially if i do want two spindles just out of the out of the question right. the mini mill was going to be the only other option so is the mini mill or the style and so the mini mill i've is a little bit on the controversial side for haas it's not like really their breadwinner and it's most of the people that own mini mills, I, I have no nothing against Haas or mini mills, but they they're not like the most loved machine. Just kind of right. They're there.
1: People but, don't like the way the chips get removed, yeah. and Like or like where the coolant is. There's some right.
0: Yeah, and and so, but I but I think there's a good solid machine. I have nothing truly against them. It really was down to the wire deciding between that and the style. But that what I discovered with the sile is the X7 is is kind of it's a lot more modern breed of machine because it's Mm -hmm. a new design. It's like a 2019 release. So the machine was completely from the ground up redesigned and it's, it's so different in so many ways. So I'll just go through what Sile is. Sile is a Chinese company. I would compare them. They're like, I I illustrated them as like, they're the wee knife of CNC machines. So they're doing like, and
1: by that you mean like super, like very impressive quality for the price. Exactly right. It's kind yeah. of like that made yeah it made sense
0: yeah. they and and so they they're casting the casting of the machine um, as and most people have looked in a CNC know that it's the main part of the weight is a enormous base and what's called a column, and that's what supports all these systems and it's where all the weight is and it's designed to dampen vibration and whatnot. And in pretty much all machines, it's iron, it's cast iron. Uh, the style is actually granite but it's like fake granite. It's like epoxy granite is what they call it. So it's, it's kind of like a fake countertop, if you can picture that, that you would buy at like Home Depot that feels like a real stone, but it's like poured and cast. Super and stable, yeah, very, it's ther- very heavy. It's energy. thermally stable is the main reason to do it is because it doesn't uh, expand and contract with heat, which is always something you notice with CNC's. They warm up, they move. You have to you know reindicate and make sure everything stays on track when it warms up, which is manageable. It's not the end of the world. But that casting is made in Switzerland. So it's a uh, uh, Schneeberger is who makes the casting, who's a very A-list, top-of-the-line machine casting builder. So mm-hmm. it's a Swiss machine casting and Japanese ways and ball screws. And then the Chinese assemble an enclosure around it and set it up with whatever controller you want. So you can get Siemens, Fanuc. Um, I went with one called a Syntec. and you Why get did three you choose a Syntec? Phase. So the, the Syntec is basically a FANUC. It's it's basically a comparable to the FANUC. It's like runs a similar G code and whatnot. But the FANUC is probably $15,000 more, which right. if I was going to do the FANUC version of this, then suddenly the Haas question is You start prob- to come back
1: like, into the price.
0: You start to come back to Haas, yeah. And so, but it's just to get to the nuts and bolts of it, to get the speed, the mass and the power- in a Haas that compares to the Sile. The Sile is about $39,000 before shipping. And the Haas, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I want to say it was
1: more like 65. Once, yeah, once you're optioned out in the Haas, you're like 60, 70. And I'm in the same boat too, right? Like I have a 2007 Haas tool room, which is the TM1P. Um, Where I'm at is I need more tools, but I need overall a smaller machine. So I have Mm -hmm. more bed than I can really use. Mm. but I only have 10 tools and I would love to have like the style. It would be, would work at 16. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Haas is 20. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm going into some of the same questions, which yeah. is like what you presented with Sile is for a value proposition is very, very good. My yeah. biggest concern with Sile was like support. right exactly um the nice thing in a a way like i almost feel like like you have an android phone i have an apple phone yeah i feel like you almost see the style as like android platform where you're like yeah these pieces change out haas is very apple like oh you need a software upgrade or you want to like upgrade a piece of hardware and it's like it's already in your machine you just need to pay for the code yeah which like a lot of people hate but you can also call and they show up with a truck and will fix your machine. Yep. Yep. I've always had a concern about the support. Mm-hmm. Um you and I are both in the Sile user group on Facebook. And it actually like there are problems that arise, but it, in you you're in there more than I am. Are they being taken care of in a satisfactory way?
0: Yeah. So the the big hole with the sile machine, like you said, is there is not a sile tech with a van that says Sile on it that's going to show up to your house. It does not exist. Maybe it exists in other continents, but not in North America, and so they're you are going to be having to fix it, or you're going to have to hire a like essentially someone who's kind of a neutral party, who's like a CNC um, repairman of sorts, if that makes sense. Do and you have so,
1: access to someone like? I mean, I would assume being near Boise, you probably have somebody like that. That's yeah, someone just you should a general CNC.
0: Work, you know, there's yeah. shops that they just specialize in all things CNC. So that'd be a little bit more the route you'd have to go. But they have a warranty and the parts, they they ship parts to your, if, if it's under warranty or if it's after warranty and you need to buy parts, you can always get parts. I haven't heard of any issues with people getting parts for style, right. but it's not the kind of thing where, oh, the machine quit working. I'm going to go drink a cup of coffee and dial a phone number and they're going to fix it for me like a Ford right. dealership would. You know what I mean? Right. So that, that is the that is the void between them. And really to me, that's the, that is the justification for Haas because I think the machine itself is very comparable. They both have some advantages, but there's not, there's not a difference functionally that's big enough to justify the price, but the local service is the thing that would, to me, like if someone were to say I'm starting a machine shop, I want to have a fleet of machines, Uh, I'm going to have a bunch of employees. I'll be like, you have to go Haas. You you can't afford with that kind of overhead to like tinker with a machine. You just can't. That's what I plan on doing. If I have issues, that's what I do with the Well, and
1: Again, you now have, you have not redundancy, but you have a second machine. Mm -hmm. So for me, this, like I, I am concerned. One, I'm a slow learner and I'm not like amazing at CNC. So I've spent time learning my Haas. I'm I'm nervous about switching systems Mm because that'll slow me down and I'm nervous about problems that may arise because my time at this point is better spent making parts Mm -hmm. than it is fixing my machine. Right. Um, Although I'm coming around to it in certain ways, like I I'm very like I would be very confident going with a style at this point, but it's, it's interesting because like the, the Haas in a way is that value proposition still, Mm-hmm. because you have yeah. a lot of machinists that are like, no, I don't want a Haas. Like, yeah, you can do like whatever a Mazak yeah. or like you're going somewhere else. Yeah. But Haas you're also is, spending is not the twice end all, be all. the money. Yeah. Right. Or no. three or four times the money. Mm-hmm. Um, again, looking at these as tools for knife making, I think that, that in that price range, they're like, man, they do everything you need them to do. It's just, mm-hmm. it is, it's just figuring out like where your comfort level is. Mm
0: hmm. Well, one thing I liked about the style that I'm not 100% sure on the Haas exactly how it's set up, but because of the mineral casting frame, Mm -hmm. obviously the ways, like so if you're not familiar, the ways are the friction surfaces where the table slides on. So like it's the actual bearing surface for movement and the ways on a conventional machine that's iron casting are part of the casting. So like right. you would take that giant casting that weighs 5,000 pounds in your in the factory, and they would grind the ways to be perfectly straight and parallel, and then they would assemble that, the machine on top of that. And so if you get any issues where, let's say you're machining G10 all day, and you wear out those ways, the machine, you can take the whole thing apart and you can re-scrape those ways, but at the end of the day, if the ways are starting to go on you, the machine's it's the end of life type failure for the machine. And maybe it could be used for like really low precision stuff, but those ways are the heart, the beating heart. Once they're done, it's done. But because of the mineral casting, they have to use what's called linear rails. So like they're Japanese made, they're mounted on through basically uh, threads that are cast in steel threads that are cast into that casting. And you, they bolt those ways on. So if they wear out, you can just put new ones on. And so yeah. the long term, pretty... if you're gonna own it for like 10, 15 years, it, it can be rebuilt to a hundred percent of its original capacity in an afternoon, just turn in a wrench. Whereas with a box way, which is what their yeah. most hosses run like, it's it's going to last a long time. There's 25-year-old right. hosses still chances, doing really well.
1: Yeah, chances are as as like a small one two three four man shop you actually probably never you could yeah. probably use it for an entire yeah. career
0: yeah and it may not be a big concern but once those ways start to decline basically what's gonna happen is the accuracy is gonna start to decline and it's not recoverable like the accuracy right. is just gonna begin to decline and never return so yeah um, so that's that's one advantage for a long-term case uh, yeah there's a lot of details that uh, there's dude, you and
1: I had a bunch of conversations yeah, about this. The yeah. one, one other element that I really liked about the style was they do, I think it's the X five. Mm-hmm. The thing is like the size of a refrigerator. I mean, it is small and you're like, okay, you're $40,000 in $80,000 for two 16 tool. That one's 30. What, is it 30? The X5 is 30,000. Yeah. 30,000. Like okay. it starts so at 27, $60,000 $60, for two machines, each with 16 tools, 20,000 uh, RPM, 20,000 RPM spindles. Like that becomes like a lot of output potential mm-hmm. in. I think I could put, I think I m- measured it out. And I think two of those is smaller than my current machine. Right. W- and, so it's, I'm very curious. I'm very grateful that you bought one yeah. and we'll be using it to a level that I can right. aspire to. And we'll see.
0: We'll, we'll see in a few months. I, I think I'm the first. I've seen guys making knives on the sile, but I right. don't think they bought the sile to make knives. Like they're just people that are machine shop guys that have made knives with made, them. Made knives. But, or
1: there's a few guys. Yeah. There's like, yeah. A, I think I saw a guy who makes like oyster knives or something. Yeah. But tita- I, I'm like funky titanium.
0: I might be the first full-time knife guy in the conventional sense. To just buy a Sile instead of a Haas, and and to like roll those dice, and there was a little bit of excitement for that because I do have a YouTube channel and I will be posting a bunch of videos. And to me, there was a little bit of a like mystery box factor that kind of attracted me. So we're gonna see how it goes. I I have high hopes for it. I'm I'm pleased with it just sitting in my driveway. What it looks like, so that doesn't mean anything. It's beautiful,
1: like from a design standpoint. They are very very attractive machines. I don't know if that, like, I don't know how many people that matters to, but for me, I'm like, I want an aesthetically pleasing workspace.
0: I hate to say it, but their accent color is yellow and everything that I do accent color wise, like website and everything's yellow. So it's like, there was, that was a subliminal (laughs) little thing. I it's absolutely not why I bought it, but it, it like pleases me. I'm happy that that is the accent color.
1: Here, Here's the thing. As like a craftsperson, I remember when I first got my CNC somebody like asking me like, I'm like, Whoa, that, that thing's crazy. Like someone who wasn't a maker or, or like, how much was that? I'm like, I was like $40,000. And at that time they were like, dude, that's like, that's like a, a sports car, but like mm-hmm. yeah know, a car, a like, sports car. There's relative too. Cause it's like, it's an Impreza. Yeah. Right? yeah. right. But I was like in the back of my head, I was like, you're right. It's a sports car, but it makes money. Mm-hmm. Dude. Yellow accent. Dude, do it match your cabinets just, yeah like it's yeah. a treat man it's your yeah. sports car like right it'll buy you sports cars there in the is
0: sex appeal does matter it doesn't matter what it is and like yeah. with the cnc it's like man i just want it to look, <laughs> look it does good. look it does look pretty cool so yeah uh, i can't wait to get it in the machine and or in the in the garage and take some pictures and stuff and i will say just just to cap this conversation off i think if this machine works out the way People love them. Everyone that has one loves them. Most of them are in Australia, like you were saying earlier. And Asia, right? The the reason we don't hear about them is because they're the voltage on the thing is a European voltage. Like they run them in Europe, they run them in Asia, they run them in Australia, New Zealand. That's where, like, I would imagine there's more of these in New Zealand than maybe Haas. I made that up. It might not be true, but you see a lot of them over there. And so we're like just getting the early kind of wave of them in the United States. Uh, But the thing, um, if it works out the way that all these people in these other countries seem to portray them, I want to have two styles. I'll probably sell the Tormach side by side as the redundant double system that I've just been describing. But I want to have a Tormach that is like the cheap base model without the enclosure, no coolant, like spend 10, 11 grand on a brand new Tormach that only does Kydex. And I don't need a tool changer for it. And it would just be like a little kydex position, just a little kydex corner in the shop. That'll would be Do you even need to term. go? Like,
1: I mean, is that something that you could like hit with like an X carve or something? Pro- probably. Like, go
0: router. Probably. But like, I mean, the Tormox, you can get them down in like the They're six, seven expensive. grand range. Yeah. And it's like, I already know how to run it. I, I do like the machine a lot. It right. it does a lot of good things. And so it's like, yeah, probably makes sense. The one I have, and here's, I'll just circle back to Tormox one more time. So the, the thing that I would say about Tormach is I bought on a good deal. So I got like 30% off of my machine because it was that repossessed situation. If I had paid full price for my Tormach, it would be the same price as this style. And that's not okay. Like looking at the two machines, it's not acceptable. Pound for pound. They're not equivalent and and they're not even comparable. They're just, it's, I mean, it's completely disparate. And so, Because I got such a good deal on it, it makes sense. But I would not pay the full price, and by extension, if you buy this cheap, stripped-down Tormach, it's let's say you spend twelve grand on a Tormach because you got like a base package, that is what Tormach should be, right? And I think when they reach up and totally equip it into this like attempt at an industrial machine, right, it starts to reach out of its grasp. I think, right. and so that twelve to fifteen thousand dollar Tormach. Is perfect because it's 15,000 is way less than 40,000. It's way smaller. And it's, that's the niche that they should be in. And they build, you know, machines with a bunch more capability like the one I have, but then you're in the territory of spending money that you should be buying something else. And that's my opinion.
1: But, um, well, you know, the other nice thing, like, okay, the reality is you, you're increasing your output. So you can add another machine at some point. You're like, all right, you're just, you just worked your way out of your own shop. Right. Okay. So right, like, right. And then at that point, you're like, you already have a very nice Tormach.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Odds are you at that the point where you need another style, you just keep your Tormach that you have because it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. You use that as a, as like a, whatever, you know, post op machine or like first op machine or something mm-hmm. Kydex only or whatever it is. And, and yeah, you don't have to pay to have two machines moved. Yep. You know, right. and you just run right. that thing into the ground. Yep. Dude, that's exciting. Yeah. All right. So so there, there is Sile Haas conversation. I am undecided, but I'm with you. I like a lot of what Sile is presenting. Um, And if it works out for you, I think that's definitely something I will look at, especially because, you know, like we talked about earlier, right? Your friends. If I have a friend who has this thing, I can learn how to run it. mm -hmm. It's different than learning how to run it completely on your own or,
0: the fi- next five years will be interesting because I know Sile is on the move, yeah. And they're building out facilities, and they're building out infrastructure, and they're hiring like American machinists to be yep. like their ambassadors and whatnot, yeah. And if it's happening fast, like I've talked to a number of guys that have just, they're like, "Well, I might start working for Sile." Like I've seen that too, yeah. And so there, there's it's the the ability to have someone work on it that knows the machine, I think is on the steep uphill curve right now. And it'll be interesting to see where that lands eventually. Yeah. Um, So the future is interesting.
1: It's pretty fun, man. I'm excited for you. Um, all right. So this brings us to kind of the last and, and like current, uh, issue that we're working through, which is airlines and, and compressors.
0: Mm -hmm. So So, my my new machine needs air. Pretty much every CNC machine needs some kind of air. And so I have to run airlines and it used to be that I ran a hose to my Tormach on the ground and it would run behind my benches and I didn't care. But now that I'm going to have two, the only way to keep it off the floor is I got to run like wall mounted, surface mounted or ceiling mounted air. And so I'm having to rebuild my air system under those ideas. And so we, you and I, you've done those before you've done systems before. So tell me about what you've done.
1: All right. So I am a huge fan of rapid air max line, which is essentially we'll get to your packs in a minute, but you can almost think about it like packs where you're able to cut it easily. You're able to splice into it. There's, they have their own proprietary fittings. It's beautiful. It's high pressure. Um, works very, very well. And it's easy to install and I'm getting ready to run um three quarter inch rapid air max line which is overkill for the space but i already have some of it and i really like the way it looks and it functions great Mm -hmm. and you are getting ready to run off of an existing compressor right Mm -hmm. do you have an air dryer I
0: don't have an air dryer. I have a bunch of air catches, uh, mm-hmm. air dryer. Is something I'm looking into. I don't have the space for like a dedicated, like actual powered air dryer, but I've seen where people run through, they fill tubes. It's like, a, it's a series of tubes with, uh, I don't know if it's like silica,
1: silica beads yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. Well, like, you can get the inline, like desiccant filters. Yeah. Those yeah. help. Um, it also depends on like air usage, humidity in the air, like all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Are you well, having like are you having any like air in or any water in your air now? Slight amounts
0: on the slight blast amounts. cabinet side. I haven't noticed it at all. Okay. But what I, what the only time I've noticed it is if I'm blowing off like my fixtures in my CNC with that nozzle for the CNC. Every once in a while I'll see I'll just it'll be perfectly dry and I'll uh, see a little tiny splat of water like a droplet made its way through onto yeah. the fixture and I'll just see that and I knew it came from the line. And right. so th- it's something I'm going to have to to work on. Um, I know that it's it's creeping in there a little bit. It do- it hasn't done anything negative that I've ever noticed, but I know it's
1: not good. Uh, so it'll be what? A- how many gallons is your compressor? Uh, it's sixty gallon. Is it like California Air Tools or something like that? It, it the one I've got, I
0: got a smoking deal, and it's a central pneumatic, like a Harbor Freight, essentially. Okay. So it's a fifteen cfm. Basically, your standard five horsepower air compressor.
1: It's 15 is enough for everything we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your your new machine, your style, I thought it, it's not servo tool changes.
0: So, the, the X5, just to circle back, the X7 is the one I got. It's been out for a few years. Got the it. X5, they just announced and they're delivering probably the first of them, like fourth quarter of this year. Those, I believe, have zero air input. They're all servo. So, the tool changes and the drawbar and everything, I think everything i think is completely airless um which is pretty cool but yeah this one does have air it just got it's got an air drawbar, and
1: so uh, yeah you're going to be running two machines your air usage is going to go up and and this is like that idea of like okay if you have both spindles running and you're blasting parts right do you have the airflow and and is that going to increase i don't know man the water in the line thing is something that i'm like obsessed with right like it's ridiculous. Like the the Kaser that I bought is the Air Tower Five C. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like twenty one or twenty four CFM, hundred percent duty cycle. That's perfect. It's way overkill for kind of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But the two, like it's quiet. Err, they're still they have kind of a high pitch noise, but they're it's like I want to say like under seventy decibels, mm-hmm. and. And you get that perfect, clean, dry air. Like to yeah. me, I just like I'm like it helps protect my other tools. It it improves my like my working environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I it's, know a lot uh, of people would not drop the coin on on a Kaiser.
0: I'm gonna. I don't know if it'll be a Kaiser, but I'm going to be buying a nice air compressor because it's probably the most annoying thing that I own is that air compressor. Like, it's really freaking loud, and yeah. it works. It's got it's enough air. The CFM's enough but it's so loud and it's like there's so much reverberation that comes from that thing. It works. I mean, everything that I'm doing with it functionally, I have no issue, right. but I'll, I'll, I will get there. It's it's on the list and it's getting higher on the list. Um, but for now the airlines running to where it is, uh, that's, I, the pro- I'm,
1: that's like the key
0: that's yeah. Infrastructure of getting air to where it needs to go right now is the main is the first focus. But we, you'd mentioned rapid air, which, uh, rapid Air's. It's a nylon type of line, but it has an, With an aluminum, aluminum liner, an aluminum sleeve, but the aluminum's yeah. inside of it. And so you can't see the aluminum. It's right? like
1: three layers. I think actually yeah. it's like nylon, aluminum, nylon. Yeah. So, I mean, over the years you see like old school, you run iron pipe for your airlines. Eventually iron pipe rusts out and explodes maybe maybe not and you get it's potentially
0: flaking and particulate like moving through the airlines because yeah of the you get rust and stuff pushed through
1: uh people do copper Copper's expensive mm-hmm. um you gotta solder it uh people do pvc that's my sketchy. least favorite option yeah. ever <laughs> cheapest
0: easiest <laughs> yeah most explosive
1: most explosive like if yeah. you want to build a bomb in your shop yeah that when you like accidentally tap it while you're sweeping it like it's ex- <laughs> it yeah. shatters and explodes like yeah. it's a good fit um you so you had presented the idea of pex yeah um so where did you end up on pex versus Rapidair?
0: So, so i've used pex a lot not a lot but i've messed with it quite a bit because i've done like diy jobs on various plumbing which is stuff, a plumbing like product, shower. Yeah. it's a plumbing products pex has taken over all plumbing it used to be as like oh copper iron pipes all gone all pex everywhere all PEX. everything's yeah. pex now And it's, it's like, I think plumbers are just love it. It's like this new thing. It's a whole new generation of plumbing, but it's, there's type apex. I don't know all the details, but there's a type apex that's rated for high pressure and it's rated for like 800 PSI. And it's, you can go down to the home Depot. There's one near me and I can go buy, you can either buy it in a roll or you can buy straight sticks, which is beneficial. And it's one of the main benefits of it is you can get a straight stick. And so when you clip it on the wall, you're not dealing with a coil. So with the rapid air, the benefit of rapid air is because of the aluminum, I'm not sure the engineering behind it, but I think the reason the aluminum's there is so that when you unroll it, you can run it through a, a straightener like we talked about where it rolls the pipe straight and then you hang it and the aluminum will retain the shape because it's actually got a little bit of rigidity. Whereas a PEX pipe, it's only half inch what I'm going with. It's smaller diameter. You can buy it straight, but it's, it's, it's gonna not going to, it doesn't have the memory. It's like, it's firm, but if you have like a 36 inch section without clips or something, like it's probably not going to be just like beeline straight. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I want to
1: say you could probably run, you could probably run rapid air four to four feet easy without a, without a connector with no, with no sag, an easy way to think about it is almost like conduit. Yeah. So what I love is you're able to bend, like you could bend a clean 45 in it. Yeah. Um, This is coming back to the OCD side of shop life, which is I would rather pay a little bit more for a product that is like plug and play. And then, and like aesthetically matches. The other thing is that they do all of these cool manifolds. So it's like, cool. You ran your air system. I like, I I like doing looped air systems, So it's, it all Mm -hmm. connects back in and it almost charges as like a secondary tank. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have these cool manifolds and like quick disconnects or you have a manifold with three, you know, outlets on it. All of this stuff you can DIY. I wonder at the point where it's like, is it more cost effective to buy the known system or to develop it yourself? Right.
0: And I think I I love the rapid air solution and it's not not expensive. I mean, if you were to go with a half inch line, which is going to be enough for what I would need. It's like a100 dollars for a starter kit which has got like a pretty good selection of fittings and 100 feet of the tube and the the I would say the the big thing that I'm looking at and maybe maybe I'm gonna regret this but like in the shop that I'm in is so incredibly small it's 20 feet like 22 feet by like 11 feet that's the whole thing it's gonna have two two machines and the only run the only reason to run the air from the compressor for this system is to go to the two cncs and i don't need drops off of that line it's literally just one run along the wall to the two mills and then the air for my sandblasting cabinet and where my like blow off hose and like my uh coiled up line for like if i'm doing tires or if i'm doing something else it's all at the compressor and it literally has to be there because there's nowhere else to put it So, okay. I was going
1: to ask you if you have like a coiled line yeah, and that's right there.
0: And it's connected directly to the compressor. So the, this line that's going to the CNC, it's probably only about a 12 foot run. And then that's it. And so my, my only issue with buying the rapid air is if I buy a hundred feet of line and then also figure out how to straighten it, because you, you have the straightener, I was talking Mm -hmm. about borrowing it from you, but the straightener is like $150 piece. And so I was like, well, if I buy the kit and the straightener then I'm going to have like 80 feet of extra line and a $150 and, and it, straightener.
1: So you're 250 bucks for yeah. a full system.
0: Yeah. Whereas that 10 foot run, if I bought your 12 foot run, I can buy a 10 foot section of packs that are right. $7. And it's like, I'll drop like 20 bucks and I'll be at the machines. And yeah. the, the, what I would want to do with the rapid air is when I have a bigger shop and it's empty and I'm setting it up the way I want it. And right. I know I'm going to have actual linear foot requirements. It's guaranteed going to be rapid air. Yeah. And so, Right now I'm just thinking I need, to, I need to get air 10 feet away without dropping a rubber hose on the ground.
1: Yeah. Um, I think you're probably Pax is a, as much as I like hate saying that. I think PAX Yeah, is a, like, if you're only running a 12 foot run and you just need air in a place, yeah. it doesn't make sense to buy a hundred feet. Can I go off on a weird tangent that my brain yeah. just did though? Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward. You're selling your house because you're moving into a new shop and house. Mm-hmm. Somebody walks into your garage and they see the beautiful rapid air. And they're like if this dude went to all the trouble to put in this beautiful airline, I know he did things right in this house yeah, and there's point. your increased cash offer. There you go.
0: <laughs> right. And then I get an extra 15 grand right there. Yeah. Some, right there. Some guys with the brand knowledge of rapid air. There we go. Yep,
1: yep, yeah. Good God, point. Looks good. Wow. Yeah. No so,
0: doubt. I know. No, it's, <laughs> it's, I think, I think rapid air, I think I would do it. I would, I don't know. It's,
1: If you're going to wrap your whole shop, if, and that's the thing, if I was you, if I was in your garage right now, I would probably be like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to run a loop of rapid air. So I have the ability to have airline in mm -hmm. every corner of my shop. Should I need it in the future? That Mm -hmm. is not necessarily the best way to work, but is the, it's the way my brain works a lot of times. And it costs me time and money sometimes and then every once in a Mm -hmm. while it'll hit and i'll be like i do want an airline in my bathroom yeah right (laughs) yeah i'll have a chuck (laughs) right there yeah Yeah. no (laughs) kidding yeah no it's
0: yeah it's i think the, the rapid air is awesome i'm gonna be using it in the future like i said i think with this shop i'm doing it clean i'm doing it reliable i'm not using pvc i'm doing it safe but i'm doing it to tear out I'm doing it to be temporary in a sense. Like, it's You're not, not doing
1: it, more work than you need to.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think when I get to a new shop, I'm buying like high-end LED lights, high-end fittings right. for all my air, high-end air compressor, like right now, it's like I need a second spindle and I need to get air to it. This is how I, I think I'll do it because it's probably the simplest and the cheapest and it's not unsafe. You know what I mean? It, obviously, I wouldn't want to do no, something unsafe. No, it's the unsafe. best.
1: Yeah, um, I hate half measures. This is not a half measure. This is like a yes but later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly. that's the beauty of what we do. Like, and again, I'm I'm at a point now where I'm up, I'm going like I have moved into a new shop. I am upgrading my equipment. Like I was running on a when we when I sold my last Kazer and we moved, I just needed air. I actually way under aired myself and, and just went with like a small California Air Tools compressor. Mm-hmm which actually as you're looking at compressors for a couple grand, you could get a big like 60 gallon Man, they're so quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, has, they're awesome. I
0: imagine it's probably pretty similar to like a Quincy.
1: Yeah. You know something, kind of Quincy? It, something in there. Yeah. yeah.
0: I was, um, I was about to buy a Quincy. Like that was basically my compressor of choice, 60 gallon. And mm-hmm. I was literally going to buy it. It'd be like 1800 bucks or something. Totally. Okay. With spending that. And then the 60 gallon Harbor freight, a guy bought brand new, and was he never plugged it in cuz he like changed his mind yeah. and he sold it for like f- i think i paid like 450 bucks for it yeah. on on craigslist and it and i didn't have to pay for shipping and i was like uh i've got another x10s of grand to spend to get yeah. other things going and i was like i'm just going to throw this compressor in works great works it's great. not what i want long term improve um, it later i could probably sell it for 450 bucks again which i probably someday will but because i'm i'm on like warp speed right now i've got about I've only been making knives at this new upscale capacity for like since the Tormach arrived, which is 18 months ago. And it took me four months to even get started. So a year. And so dropping, I mean, I'm going to be over well over a hundred thousand dollars spent on this shop in a year. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm get I'm, I'm wanting to get it functional and safe. Fast. And doing what I want it to do and then start filling in the gaps is kind of like my philosophy. Well,
1: well, and that's the beauty of what you're doing is that's a, that's a huge amount of money to be able to sink into a shop. But that's the beauty of making is you're making money that you're rolling back into the business Mm -hmm. and you're able to like slowly upgrade tooling. Mm -hmm. That's super exciting, man. Congrats. Good
0: job. Well, thanks. And then also... I have I've always had the machine the Tormach insured but I just got full coverage on all that nice. because I got the new machine and with two machines I was going to need like a comprehensive plan so I just insured everything top to bottom with a rider for like if I have a bunch of inventory like I have knives that are halfway finished that burn up or something
1: all covered which who did you go with out of curiosity uh, Acuity Acuity Yeah I went with Chubb's um back, we're, we're going to harp on this a lot right guys which is like if you're making money making something, making knives, running a shop, you need to insure yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's medical. That's, you know, disability. That is liability. Like mm-hmm. it's just cost of doing yeah, business. General liability. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Take it into account. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I, I, I knew I was going to need to expand my insurance game plan for the business, because like I said, it's, it's a whirlwind. It's been one year that I've like done all this. And so it's like, tons of things. I'm like warp speed, like, okay, I need more insurance. I need this. I need that. Like I'm definitely on like overload of decisions. You know what I mean? Like yeah. decision fatigue. And I was like, Take but the insurance break. can't oh. wait.
1: Yeah. You know? That's a, that's a good one. I mean, any, and it comes in waves, but like hoping for the best is not a plan. No, <laughs> like, no.
0: But if you're looking not... at two charred castings where all the sheet metal <laughs> melted off of it yeah. and it was worth of machine sitting there big tier.
1: You know, I I actually have a weird interaction with some of this stuff too, like paying taxes and like insurance. I actually enjoy it. Um, in a way I feel it's just like paying dues. And I'm like, if I can, if I can do this and I can do it the right way and I can still be successful. I think I take, I think I take a lot of satisfaction from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think early on it's easy. I like, you know, it's like you try to get by with things and you try to like, I just, I just realized like, man, long game. I don't want to try to yeah. get by on anything. Yep. I want it to work yep. and I want, I want it to be able to, I want to be able to explain it. Yeah. Um, you know, I want it to be sec- secure for me and, and maybe my family in the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So cool. Yeah. So all yeah, right, it's,
0: man, it's been a whirlwind that we just re- recapped <laughs> all of that. Like the, backpacking shows, CNC, it was like only a couple weeks. So it's just like I said, warp speed, warp speed. It does
1: feel like it, right? Uh, We're, we're headed to the coast this weekend. We get like, we're taking a four day break, um, kind of around the kids. We're meeting up with another couple that has one of Barlow's friends, try to do a little bit of surfing and some, you know, some family meals and just hang out for a few days. Very excited. Mm
0: -hmm. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. That's not the coast Bunch is beautiful over there. Yeah. So awesome.
1: Can't wait. Good um, time of year too. Yeah, man. So okay, so next you've got you're gonna install your machine soon. Mm-hmm. Um yep. I told you that if you need help, I'll drive yeah. over if there's yeah. something that you get whatever. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, this
0: this weekend, my goal is to have the machine in and the air hooked up. The power is I would love to also because that's going to be pretty easy to do. But I want to have someone there, and yeah. I've got a, a friend of mine that, if he's available, he'll make sure I do it all right. But
1: electric, um, I don't like messing with it. Yeah, I, just I, want it done I, right. I know how
0: it works, so I know yeah. I can do it. But I, <laughs> I am not plugging that machine into something that isn't looked at by someone that knows what they're looking at. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, I'm gonna. If if he's available, I, I might be able to hit the green button by Monday or on Ooh. Monday. That's that's what I'm hoping for.
1: Get those, those, those high pucker tool changes going, yeah, yeah. flipping around. Um, mm-hmm. all right. Just some like general, like house cleaning stuff. Um, what else do we got going on? Um, okay. You just got us onto iTunes. Yep. Apple so, podcasts. Yep. Apple podcasts. So if you guys want to check us out there, awesome. Um, been getting some really good feedback on the pod. Seems like some of y'all are enjoying it. Um, leave us questions um, in the comments, let us know if there's anything you want us to, to chat about, or, Mm -hmm. uh, if you have time, feel so inclined. If you could leave us a review, that would be, would be awesome. Trying to get some little bit of traction on it. Yep. Yep. So
0: I appreciate you guys listening. It's, it's been a ride. I've, I've had a few messages from a few people that some of you guys that are listening and it's, it's invigorating because this is an adventure for us. I mean, we're enjoying this, but at the same time, it's like, to have a vote of confidence sometimes is like nice. Like,
1: yeah, it, it really it,
0: is. It, it's like, how do I know if anyone's even listening? Cause you look right. at the views and it's like, okay, X amount of views. Did they actually listen to it? You know what I mean? Like, right. it, are we talking to a brick wall? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe like, yeah. so screaming uh, into the void.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Like>. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> I appreciate you guys that have reached out. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, man, wrap it up and uh, we'll do another one soon. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Right. Peace. Cool, man. Yeah. Have a good weekend.